Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Well, good evening. It's good to see you guys. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you are new here, we are so glad that you are with us. Maybe you're watching online for the first time. Thank you for watching. But if you are here physically and you are new and you haven't filled out one of those Connect cards yet, we would love for you to do that because we have a party favor for you. And so fill that out with some easy information about you, and then after service, you can give it to the person at the info table, and we will give you a free gift, a free party favor for you. But uh, you are here on a great, a great Sunday. The weather is truly Oregonian. It's awesome. I love it. I can feel my gills breathing again. It's good. And we are halfway through our series called Better Together. So you're like right at the middle point. Usually in a movie, this is where like the good guy's starting to get beat up, right? And then he's going to rise and win. It's going to be great. That's what you're here for. Isn't that awesome? I know you're super pumped. But we're, we're in a series called Better Together because I think whether, you know, whether you're a church person, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, there's something in us that knows we are better with people. We are better when there are people who support us. Whether you're, even if you are like the introvert of the introverts, like you're the king of the introverts, right? And you're not going to raise your hand because you're the king of the introverts. You don't want anybody to know you're here, right? Even then, you know that you need people. There's, there's something in you that if, if you were forced to be alone, we talked about it last week, solitary confinement is a punishment in prison for a reason, because we need to be with people, because we're better together. In fact, uh, ancient wisdom, King Solomon of ancient Israel, many people consider him to be the wisest man alive, wrote this about being better together. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. You ever do some manual labor? I haven't done something in about a decade or so, but when I used to do <laughs> manual labor, like stacking wood or that type, chopping wood, right? It's, it's okay to do it alone for a while. If you have somebody to help you, the, the amount that you can actually do it is amazing. So they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. There you go. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and it gets even better. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So even when we don't want to be together, when we are together, we are better. But the problem with being better together really is that we have to be together. And that doesn't always feel better. In fact, there's two people here who I pretty much force to be together every single week. And they're going to come on down because they're going to be part of showing an example of what it's like to be better together, but kind of have to figure it out because these two, Luke Summers, our band director, yes, and Monica Fiedler, our kids, media, tech, social media, um, everything else director, yes. And so when I say, hey, we have staff meetings every Tuesday, give us your prayer request, we pray for them, it's us three. Those, those are the staff meetings. Sometimes another director will come and hang out, but usually we spend every Tuesday morning talking about you guys. And it's really fun, right? So we're going to need these mics on, because we're going we're gonna to do a little, a little example of being better together. And back by popular demand, we've done this, I think, twice here at Cross Creek, we're going to have you guys do what we call the whisper challenge. I have three cards for each of you. I can put this down. And on these cards are different phrases that you are going to say to each other. The problem is you are going to have you go second, Luke. You're going to have these headphones on with music of my choice. 
blaring in your ears. Here's your phrases. You're going to say, don't hold it up like that because she'll see it. Okay, and here's, here's your phrases. Thank you. Call this the whisper challenge. Let me put in my super secret password here. It's I love Liz. It, it would, but it's, it's more self-centered than that. Anyway. <laughs> Liz, Liz, Liz loves, loves me. me. It's true. I have to keep reminding myself. This is going great so far. So when you think staff, think these two. And so we're going to see how well you guys mesh having worked together for two years, a little over two years now. It's been a ride, Luke. And Luke, I like your green pants because I'm wearing green pants, but what's it like to never have to roll up up the cuffs of your green pants? It's funny you say that because I actually did roll them up because these are a little bit long. Um, but it's, they make them a little bit nice. long for you? They do. It's a 54 oh. length. All right. Yeah. <laughs> 2854. Wow. Nice work. All right. So this is going to work because... So you're going to put the headphones on. You won't be able to hear Monica. Read the top one. The one that says number one is what you do first. Yeah. I know. I'd... We need to speed this along. I can yep, already tell. <laughs> this is how staff meetings go. <laughs> It's true. John just talks and they figure things out. It's going to hurt. This is going to hurt you way more than it hurts me. What? Yeah. Can you, can you hear me? I cannot hear you. You don't have to yell. But I am inspired and I hear lightsabers. Do, you, do I whisper into this or do I say it? I don't, I don't think he can hear you at okay. all. Can am I talking him? really loud? <laughs> all right. Here we go. Oh, these are, I forgot to tell, I mean, you don't care. I, these are fall themed phrases that they need to figure out. Okay? So see if you can figure out what each other is saying, Monica. He's talking about you. Okay, you ready? What? Pumpkin spice latte. One more time. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Pumpkin spice latte. Mama said one more time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> I can hear his music from here. Okay, ready? One more time. Pumpkin spice latte. Yes. Puppy salsa outside. Ooh, close. I'm a little disappointed because you introduced me to these. Pumpkin spice latte. Oh, yeah. <laughs> PSLs, hashtag. No, yeah, thanks. We are. Raise your hand if you're in the We're no PSL thanks category. Bros. Yeah, thank you. Okay, these are my people. Can you hear this music? It's terrible. Hurry up, come on. Oh, sorry. We're not that kind of church. <laughs> I don't know. Star Wars club music. Like I said, it'll hurt you more than it hurts me. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Sweater weather. Do you want to go there? (laughs) Sweater weather. Do you want to? Sweater weather. Sweater weather. Do you like the weather? Oh, close. Uh, Sort of. Sweater weather. Oh, sweater weather. It's sweater weather. Good job. Close Finally. Though. Nice. Here we go, Luke. It's <laughs> good stuff. That's, how I, that's what I listen to when I write. Break the leaves. Break the leaves. Winter leaves. Ooh. Break the leaves. He still doesn't know it's fall themed, I think. Rake the leaves. Uh, winter leaves. Something leaves. Okay, close enough. Good. Rake the leaves. Rake, Rake them. These yeah. are fall themed the phrases. Theme. Yes. Yeah. It's I'm fall themed. up on that. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. <laughs> I think I saw a story about this one this last week. Uh. <laughs> what? Did you say it? No. Yeah. <laughs> you can't cover your mouth with a microphone. School drop-off lane. Kids drop-off something. Ooh. School drop-off lane. Do you drop off at 10? (laughs) Nope. School drop-off lane. Do you drop off Lynn? Ooh. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And it's not fall-themed. But school drop-off lane. Oh, good one. That's fall-themed. Okay. That's, you ready? Yeah. Is this your third one, last one for you? Okay. Oh, that's not. 
This is going a lot better than the last time we did this. Is it? Yeah. Okay. We're not going to get any complaint cards this time. All right. We are better together. We're better together. Whoa! Good are job. we done? Or do I have another one? There's one more, right? Oh, okay. It was supposed, that was supposed to be the last one, but... <laughs> this is where he transitions into the message, but that's not going to happen. Try. <laughs> I need more staff. Seasonal affective disorder. Do you like fish tacos? Yes, yes I do. Seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> it gets sad. worse when I enunciate. It's sad. Huh? One more time. Seasonal affective disorder. I don't even think that's it's a thing. It? Do you? I, I googled it. It's do you thing. have an odor? Yes. yes. One more. Try one more. Try. <laughs> try it without the headphones. Seasonal affective disorder. Oh. <laughs> Woo! Good job. Thanks. This was fun. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Good job. We don't have licensing from Apple, so I need to close that. So, I, despite my best efforts, these two have never seen fight. But I'm trying. I was trying to get you guys to disagree and not get along, but. They are great. But often, here's my transition that would have been great. Hey, you, you set it up. I know. <laughs> we think we're better together until there's miscommunication. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> good. And even if you're watching online, I know that you just went, oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> See, it doesn't always seem better together. Misunderstandings, miscommunication, differing opinions maybe opposing opinions, different points of view, selfishness comes in. I mean, not you, the other people around you, right? Selfishness comes in. Maybe something's said and it, it irks you and it hurts you. Maybe you inadvertently, because you never do it on purpose, hurt somebody else, right? But here's the thing, and we all know this. If you're with somebody long enough, be with, someone, with anyone long enough and they will hurt you. Be with anyone long enough, and they will hurt you. That's why we started with a game, so you could think about all those hurts and still be okay. Be with anyone long enough, and they will hurt you. People hurt each other. It's a fact of life. In fact, the most pain you've experienced, and I don't know all of you, but I would assume the most pain you've ever experienced, the deepest pain you've experienced, was not physical. It was relational, right? The hurt that was hardest to get over, to heal from, was not physical pain, but relational pain, scars that last decades, sometimes scars that last lifetimes. The hardest pain to heal from is relational, and it changes you, right? Relational pain changes you. It clings to you. No matter how much you want to get rid of it, it, is, it like clings to you like you just cooked a whole bunch of garlic and then you went out and tried to meet people and like, what is that? <laughs> it's relational pain. It, it changes how you think. changes how you treat other people. No longer are you like, hey, good to meet you. Here, I'm, I'm John. Here's some things. About, you're, you're guarded, right? You, the next time you meet somebody like that, the next time you're in that situation, you're going to approach it differently. You let it Fester long enough, you're going to become bitter, angry, irritable. But the truth is, we are still, even though we hurt each other, even though relational pain is the worst pain we could feel and try to get over, we are still better together. And so how do we deal with that, with that truth? That we work best when we're with people, and those people are guaranteed to hurt us. Right? What, I mean, it's kind of like a catch-22. We, we have nowhere to go. What do we do? Well, there's some options. There's our usual options. Right? You, can, you get hurt, and you move on. You, know, you, you, you try to find someone else, someone else who might not hurt you. You, know, you try to find that one perfect human who will never hurt you. Right? Well, they hurt me, whether it's, whether it's you know romantic relationship or work or friendship. You just, you just move on. You, you cut the toxic person out of your life, and you move on to the next person. And they hurt you again. And so you move on to the next person, and they hurt you. 
It's obviously not, you know, your fault in any way, but they, they hurt you. And then they, they, you just keep have, having bad luck with people, right? That's why so many people have these trails of broken relationships and broken friendships behind them. Why some people have to go job to job because of relational issues. So that's, that's one option is moving on. Another option is, you know, you're in this relationship with somebody, probably we'll see this more in marriages. And so they're, they're, they hurt you and they, they keep doing things that you don't like and so you nag. You don't call it that. You complain. <laughs> it, it ends up in fights. You try to change the other person. And, and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe this time they'll change. They apologize, right? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll change. And it turns out they, they keep hurting you. Isn't that weird? It must be their fault. They, they just keep hurting you and hurting you. No matter how much you complain, no matter how much your helpful comments turn into defensive arguments. One option. Another option is you just close yourself off. Right? And some of these kind of build on each other, I would think. You just close yourself off. You don't leave. Right? In fact, you, you kind of gave given up on anybody changing, and so you just close yourself off. You, you exist together. You, you have to work together, and so you just, you just exist. You try to keep the peace. You don't, you don't argue. You just are there. And you have to get the job done together. But it's not being better in any way. And so the thing is, with, with these options, they, they never work. There's always somebody else to hurt you, somebody else to mess up what you're trying to do. None of these actually help us become, and none of these help us be better together. That's our usual responses. Now, there's another solution, which I thought, I'm pretty sure you thought I would get to. There's, a, there's another option with being better together, even though we're going to be hurt, and, it, and it's not easy, and it's going to seem impossible. Isn't that great? But if you figure this out, and I don't think I'm going to overstate this, if you figure this thing out that we're going to talk about, it will change every single relationship in your life. I'm not overstating it. I think that's a promise. In fact, if you, this doesn't change, if you apply this and it doesn't change your life, you can have your money back. <laughs> it's not easy. But it will make your life better. It'll change every relationship in your life better, which will give you a better life. In fact, I think it's one of the secrets to a happy life. And believe it or not, the answer is found in one of the Apostle Paul's writings, which we call the book of Ephesians that we find in what we call the New Testament. But it's a letter Paul wrote to ancient Jesus followers around 60 AD. And in this book of Ephesians, we call it the book, it's a letter, in this letter to the Ephesians, Paul's really laying out what it means to be a Jesus follower. He kind of gives, hey, this is what Jesus did, but here's how to live it out. Here's like the day-to-day stuff. Here's what it looks like. If you say you follow Jesus, here's what that actually will look like if you live it out. And he lays out in the section we're going to see how we can actually be better together even in the midst of hurting each other. Because as we'll see, you, you will hurt each other. We will hurt each other. But there's still a way to be better together in the midst of all that. And the answer that we're going to see is really genius. Whether you believe Jesus was the Son of God, whether you believe Jesus died and rose again, what you're going to see here is so genius that I don't think we could help but apply it. Whether, whether you're a Christian, Buddhist, whatever you are, I think following Paul's advice here will change your life. And it's not what you would expect either. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, everything's going to be on the screen for you so you can follow along. But let's see what Paul says about being better together even though we always hurt each other. He says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Done. (laughs) You're welcome. Have a great week. That should be easy, right? I mean, look, look at those things again. Bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, slander, malice. How many of you are like, man, I wish there was more of that in my life? <laughs> I love slander. Oh. I heard that person was talking about me at, at the water cooler. Is the water cooler still a thing? <laughs> Everybody's got their hydro flask. Anyway, so I love it when I'm slandered. I just, I wish there's more of that where I work, like people talking about me behind my back. 
I wish, I wish people would, would rage more on I-5. Oh, man. Like, seriously, yesterday I'm on I-5 with my kids, and the car in front of me is, like, totally following the other car, and then we're in the fast lane because that's the way we roll. We're from California. And so we're in the fast lane, and this guy turn, passes the dude on the left, on the shoulder. We're going, like, the flow of traffic is going, like, 80. Okay? And... I'm like, that is some major rage. And they had like Boy Scout, Cub Scout stickers on the back and stuff. There was no For Salem sticker, so we were okay. I'm like, man, we need more rage on our roads, don't we? Isn't that funny? None of us want more of this in our life. It should be easy just to get rid of this because what we want in life is less of that, right? In your, in your marriage, you would love less anger, less bitterness, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love less brawling with your kids? Like I said, less slander at work. Wouldn't it be great if our country had less bitterness and rage and anger? I mean, just for a month on social media, a little bit less anger, wouldn't that be amazing? But it's not easy. Otherwise, these wouldn't be so common. In fact, we see these all the time, right? It's, po- politics are coming again with everybody running for president, and we are going to see a lot of slander, a lot of anger made up and real. Often, this, these things, it's, you would think it's weird, but if you've been around churches long enough, you see a lot of this in churches. might be one of the reasons why you left church a long time ago, and maybe you just kind of came back because somebody invited you, or maybe it was time, or you're like, well, at least it's warm in there. <laughs> maybe that's why you're watching online, and you're like, you know what, I, I want to maybe have a little bit more God in my life, but I don't want to be around those angry people, right? Those people that, you know, you see them on the news, they're holding up signs, yelling at people. I don't want to be associated with that. And notice all of these, if you really look at these, these are all common responses to being hurt, aren't they? Someone hurts you, and it brings bitterness, right? Every time you see them or even think about them, you get that festering feeling, don't you? You can't help. Every time you think about it, you can't help but remember what they did to you. In fact, even if you hear they might be somewhere, you're like, yeah, I've got other things to do. I don't want to be over there. Bitterness when you're hurt. Somebody hurts you, response is rage and anger, right? You trusted them. They promised they would be the one to never hurt you, and they betrayed you. You did everything for them. You gave up the best years of your life, and they took advantage of it. They were supposed to protect you. They were supposed to get your back, and they abandoned you. How dare they? The anger, rage, brawling, right? You're hurt, and so you got to get back. So you pick a fight every chance you get. No, you're not like, oh, yeah, I can't wait till they get home. I'm going to pick a fight. But you find their weakness, or they find your weakness, and they just push and push and push, right? Because you would never do that. They don't, they don't deserve a moment's peace. Slander. They, were, they stabbed you in the back, and now they're trying to make another friend with maybe a friend you know. You, you gotta, it's, it's your duty to tell people who this person really is. They think they're great. Everybody thinks they're great, but they don't know what, what he did. I've got to tell as many people as I can. Slander and malice, trying to find a way to hurt them because they have hurt you. Some way just kind of dig a little deeper into them. If you've ever been truly hurt by somebody, you know what these feelings feel like. You've been there. You've experienced it. And so Paul says, stop it. You're angry. You want to hurt them. Stop. It's never that easy, is it? You know why it's never that easy? Because you don't want to stop it. We don't want it to stop. We, I mean, be honest. You want to hang on to these things. You want to hang on to that anger. You want to make them pay. You want them to know how much they hurt you, and you want them to feel it as deeply as you do. 
except that it won't work out that way. It never works out that way. It might bother them for a bit. They might be like a little uncomfortable to be around you, but it will never make them feel the way you do about the situation. And all it will do is grow those feelings inside of you until you can't control them, until those feelings, that anger, that malice, that rage controls you. See, holding on to hurts only hurts you. Holding on to hurts doesn't do anything to them. They don't know what's going on inside of you. It doesn't affect them. They're going on with their life. So holding on to those hurts really only hurts you. It's letting them hurt you again, really. So what's the answer? We just, we just let go. Let bygones be got bygones. You know, stop feeling those feelings. You ever have somebody say, hey, don't feel that way. You're like, oh, thanks. It feels so much better. See, that's not what Paul is saying. He's not saying, hey, just stop. You know, walk away. Everything will be okay. He's not what he's saying. So let's let him finish his thought. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another. So he says, stop doing those things and instead replace them with something better. Replace them with a purposeful choice. It says, be kind, meaning purposely doing good to them. Oh, doesn't that sound terrible? Like purposely, that person who hurt you, and this is not like easy, like, oh man, you know, there's a misunderstanding and so I want to go make, this is somebody who like chose to hurt you. He, like, was your friend and then made sure you didn't get the promotion and instead they got the promotion. This is an, an ex-spouse who has slandered you to your kids, maybe. He says, be kind. Purposely do good to them. See, it's often difficult to hold on to hate, to hold on to anger when you choose to serve someone. When you have the guts and the strength to choose to serve them, that festering starts going away, starts easing. And I'm not talking about being walked all over. I'm not talking about being taken advantage of because it's your choice. You are choosing to do it. You are in control. He says, be kind. And then be compassionate to one another. Compassion, looking at things through their eyes choosing to give the benefit of a doubt. Taking a minute and trying to walk in their shoes. See, think about like, we all know the class bully, right? He's got the greatest home life, doesn't he? His parents are always so supportive. He doesn't have any issues at home. It's so No, see, we all know the class bully is usually, usually has a terrible home life. Usually is lashing out because he doesn't feel loved is looking for some attention in some way. As a teacher, when I was a teacher, the kid that was having the most issues, that was always in my face trying to yell and be mad or disrupt the class, that's the one who needed the most love because he had been hurt so much. See, horrible people have usually been hurt horribly. And so when someone hurts you, just take a minute. They don't know you're doing it. You're not giving them any room. Take a minute and say, you know, what, what's going on with them? Like, is there something I don't know about that's, that's affecting them? Is there, is there some kind of childhood thing? Or, you know, was there a misunderstanding? Being compassionate also means choosing to assume the best. Choosing to assume the best. They're, they said they would be there at 8.30. It's now 8.40. You have two choices, don't you? Assume the worst. Oh, well, my time's not as valuable as theirs, apparently. Or, oh, you know, they, they lost track of time. I'm not as important as work. Or, you know, I'm going I'm to assume the best. Maybe there's traffic. Maybe they just had one more thing they needed to finish up, and they are racing, doing everything they can to get home because that's where they want to be. You know, maybe somebody stopped them, and, they, and they, they needed help, and so they helped them on their way out. Choosing to assume the best. How many arguments, how many misunderstandings, how many hurts would be, would be avoided if we simply assumed the best of each other? 
our first reaction wasn't anger, wasn't like, well, I'm... That was John for, well, I don't know what they're doing. If we just assumed the best, oh, you know, that, that tone, again, she just talks to me of that. Maybe she didn't mean that tone. Maybe, that's, maybe it's, it's a rough day. Nope, my boss, again, you know, just picking, picking all the other employees and ignoring. Maybe, you know, maybe you always sit on his right and he favors his left. It happens. Maybe they're tired. Maybe, maybe I wasn't clear and they misunderstood. Wouldn't life be better if we just assumed the best of each other? So if you choose kindness and you choose compassion, and they are choices, you will find the secret that I think will make every relationship better. And it's this. Forgiving each other. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. It's not forgive each other, like you do it once and you're done. It's forgiving, ongoing, a process of forgiving, continual. When you choose to purposely do good to someone who hurt you, when you choose to assume the best and try to see things through their eyes, you can't help but start forgiving them. And forgiveness isn't, you know, like sweeping it under the rug. Oh, we're not going to talk about that anymore. All right, just, I'm, I'm just going to get over it. We're just going to keep the peace. See, we're going we're gonna to forgive and forget. That's dumb. Have you ever forgiven something and just totally forgotten about it, and you see him again, and you're like, what was that about? No. It hurt. And they might do it again, and you know that. Forgive and forget. You don't forget. This is different. This is acknowledging there was a wrong. Acknowledging there was a hurt. They caused hurt to you. And then you continually choose not to use it against them. That's forgiveness. Choosing not to use it against them. Choosing that it will not destroy the relationship. Choosing that every time you see them, you will not define them by that hurt. And you're not just, you're not like letting them off the hook, right? Yeah, but they need, they did, you're not just letting them off the hook. See, you are freeing yourself. You're letting yourself off the hook. You're freeing yourself from the effects of their hurt. You are freeing yourself from their hurt continually, constantly hurting you. You choose not to hold on to the anger, to the bitterness, to the revenge that wants to cling to you. Because forgiveness, when you choose forgiveness, it creates healing and it creates freedom. You're not a slave to that anger and that malice and that rage. You're free. You're free of the effects of their hurt. Forgiveness brings healing. You have a chance to heal. See, you can't heal if you hang on to what's hurting you. If you're like, man, that is hot. I wish my hand would heal, but you're still hanging on to the fire poker. You're not going to heal. Man, they hurt me. Oh, I, I go to bed thinking about how much they hurt me. I wish I could get over this. Yeah, but oh man, every time I see them, I just want to get back of them. I wish I could get over this. Every time, oh, when their name comes up, I can't help but tell people how horrible they are. I wish I could get over this. I can't help but talk about it constantly. I wish I could get over this. Right? If you hang on to what's hurting you, you're not going to heal. And so choose kindness, compassion. Choose forgiveness. Now, if, if you're kind of paying closer attention and you've, you've been in this church thing for a while, you might notice I have not said the names Jesus and God yet. I haven't. I think it would be difficult, but this is all possible if you don't believe there's a God. This is all possible if you're like, yeah, Jesus was a good teacher. He was a cool guy, you know. The whole son of God rising from the dead, that's, that's a myth. But, you know, I like his teachings. This is all possible with that. It's, I mean, just think about it. This is great life advice. Like, this is genius stuff. Choose compassion. Choose kindness. And you won't be a slave to that hurt anymore. That's awesome. And if you're not a Jesus follower, and you're, maybe you're watching online, maybe somebody dragged you here, you can look at everything we just said as great advice. It's a, you can take it, you can leave it. You can take the parts you like, you can leave the parts you don't like. 
You have no obligation or requirement to do any of this. You're totally safe. But if you are a Jesus follower, Paul takes this all one step further. He's not done yet. He takes it one step deeper. He actually raises the bar. See, Christianity really is, it's just a great life philosophy. Right? Whether, whether you believe the miracles and all that kind of stuff, just living the way that the, the New Testament writers talk about, living the way Jesus talks about, will make your life better. It'll make you better at life. But actually following Jesus means that we take it further than that. We take it further than what would be sometimes comfortable. And here's, here's how Paul does that here. He says, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as through Jesus, God forgave you. If you are a Jesus follower, this is your goal, to forgive like Jesus forgave you. This is your motivation. Jesus forgave you, and so you need to forgive. This is actually the secret cheat code to life. Just as Jesus did it for you, you do it for others. And so how did God forgive through Jesus? Romans 8, or Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love, he loved us, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is how God, through Jesus, forgave us. Sinners, people who break the law of love on purpose. That's me. That's the person sitting next to you. And if you can do the math, that's you too. We've all sinned. I know that's fun. It'll get better. We've all broken the law of love. Jesus was asked, hey, what are God's top laws? And he said, love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Those, that's the law of love. We've all broken that in some way. We have all hurt other people, not just by accident, but on purpose. We call it a mistake, but a mistake you do on purpose is something other than a mistake, isn't it? We have all broken the law of love, and so we've all sinned. We've all rebelled against this God who calls us to love each other. But while we were still sinners, while we were still rebelling, while we were still saying, I don't care what you think, I feel good doing this, whether it hurts them or not, Christ died for us. See, God was for us before we were ever for him. God was for each and every one of us before we even thought of being for him. In fact, before we even thought of anything, he was for us, and he proved it. See, Jesus died for our penalty. When you hurt somebody, there needs to be justice. God is a God of justice. He cares when you get hurt. If he didn't punish when you got hurt, he wouldn't be a very good, loving, heavenly father, would he? If somebody hurts my kid, there's going to be consequences. I'll call my friends who are bigger than me. I know you're like, ooh, scary. I have bigger friends. I always have. For so anyway. So Jesus died for that penalty. He died for the hurt you've caused to offer forgiveness for past, present, and future sin. Simply by trusting him. Simply by saying, you died for me. I trust that. Thank you. Now, it's easy to speed by that idea that Jesus died for our past, present, future sins. You know, if you've been in church, you've heard that. But think about it. God took a huge risk and offered forgiveness for sin that hadn't been committed yet. He offered forgiveness for sin that has not yet happened. He offers preemptive forgiveness. He says, you're going to sin. And whether you didn't know that or not, you're going to screw up again. Okay, you're going to hurt people. People hurt people. You're going to sin. You're going to break the law of love. I forgive you in advance. That's a huge risk. The penalty has already been paid for for the hurt you're going to cause. Why is that a risk? I think our first reaction is, sweet, I can do whatever I want. So you're saying, this when I was a youth pastor, the teenagers loved So you're saying... I can do whatever I want, and God's going to forgive me? Kind of. But here's the thing. When you experience that love, when you actually experience preemptive forgiveness, whatever you do, 
I am still going to love you, and I am going to forgive you. I died for what you're going to do in the future. That's how much I love you. The response, when you really get that, is not, oh, sweet, I can't wait to go out and hurt a whole bunch of people that you love. It's like, oh my gosh, thank you. I want to, I want to live worthy of that. I want to show that to other people. I am inspired to, to live for you, not just do whatever I want to do. I want to, I want to make you happy. See, when you experience that preemptive forgiveness, life can be lived as a thank you. And it can be lived as an example of his love. So you were preemptively forgiven. If you are a Jesus follower, you now get to choose to forgive before you ever need to. See, when you preemptively forgive, you are displaying God's love for humanity. You say, you are going to hurt me. That's a proven fact. I am choosing in advance to forgive you. You will hurt me. It's going to happen. It might be terrible. It might be minor. I choose in advance to forgive you. Yeah, but what if they don't deserve it? They don't. They don't deserve it. They're evil people. They hurt you, of all people. They don't deserve forgiveness. Did you, forgive, did you deserve forgiveness? Do you deserve forgiveness for the people you've hurt? See, I mean, was Jesus' death only good enough for your sin? Thanks, Jesus. You know, that was, thanks for dying for me. Screw you guys. Thanks for me. You're sinners. Yeah, but, I mean, what if they hurt me so much? They need to make amends, right? They need to make up for this. Maybe. That's between them and God. You don't get to choose how to make up for hurting you. And did you have to make amends before God forgave you? Like, how many good deeds did you have to do before Jesus said, hey, now it'll work. Now my death will work for, your, for covering your sins. You didn't. See, God forgives because of a relationship, not because of amends. God forgives because he loves you, not because you've done a whole bunch of good things to outweigh your bad or you, you've done one really awesome thing and he's like, wow, that is so impressive. You're like the, I, I, can't, I never expected you to be that good. You're forgiven. See, God forgives because of a relationship, because of his love for you, not because of amends, not for amends. And so for us, it's true. Forgiveness brings healing and freedom. Forgiveness brings healing and freedom. And so how do we do that? Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, start with compassion and kindness. So I... I gave us some steps. You don't have to do any of them. But if you want a better life, it might be worth trying. So with somebody who has hurt you, find one way to see their point of view. Just find one way to see their point of view. It doesn't have to be reality. They might totally have it skewed and have the facts wrong, but you can still choose to see it through their point of view. It doesn't mean you have to accept it. It doesn't have to make sense. But just take a minute and see it through their point of view. If you can do that, then you might have the guts for the next step, which is do one good thing for them. And they don't even have to know about it, right? They don't have to be like, oh, wow, they're over it, great. Do one good thing for them, because it's not really for them, right? It's for your healing. It's for you to be able to forgive and heal. And if you are a Jesus follower, you, for, you, you do one good thing for them because God did good for you. When you were still rebelling, when you still hadn't said, I'm sorry, he did good for you. Think of all the good things he's done for you. And maybe the person you need to forgive, the person who has hurt you, is not around anymore or not in contact or you, you can't find them or talking to them would not be the best safe thing. Maybe the good you could do for them is choosing not to speak poorly of them. I may choosing to find one thing to speak well of about them. Right? If it's a parent, you know, you know they, yeah, they, they hurt you, but maybe they provided for you. There's one good thing somewhere. And when you're ready, forgive. Choose not to define them by the hurt they caused you. 
Choose not to define them by the hurt they caused you. Do you always want to be defined by your biggest mistake? And then if you're a Jesus follower, you're not off the hook yet. Go deeper. Go further. Go better. Going forward, choose preemptive forgiveness. Find one way to see their point of view. Do one good thing for them. When you are ready, and this, this, is, this might take years, I don't know. Choose to not define them by the hurt they cause you. And then, going forward in your other relationships, maybe in that same relationship, choose preemptive forgiveness. I, and say to yourself, I will be hurt. And I will be honest about my hurt. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. I'm not going to say, oh, no big deal. You were hurt. You will be hurt. And so you choose now that you will not use it against them. You choose now that it will not control you, that it will not define you, that it will not define them. You choose now that you will forgive. So we say, you have hurt me, I forgive you. You will hurt me, and I still forgive you. I, I decided to, to test this out on Friday night with our kids, right? And they're, they're six and a half, four and a half, and three and a half. The half is really important when you're that age. I didn't want to get it wrong. But Friday night, right? Friday night? You, don't, you didn't know this was coming? Okay. She doesn't know. Let's say, let's say it was Friday. It happened, I promise. I didn't make this up. But I, I got our kids around, and I, I, got, you know, I got down, because when you're talking to kids, you want them to hear you get down, right? Down there, and I said, hey, guys, this is coming out of the blue. You're going to think dad's weird. Get used to it. He's a pastor. But you can never do anything that your mom and I won't forgive you for. No matter what you do, we will always forgive you. And Danny, our six and a half year old, said, Even if I kill someone? <laughs> I'm like, Yes, I <laughs> will forgive you. We will always love you. No matter what you do, we will always forgive you. And he's a thinker, so he's thinking, even if I kill you? <laughs> I haven't slept well since. <laughs> but I said, I said, yeah, I, I will, but please don't kill me. And he, he smiled menacingly and walked away. <laughs> but think about, think if your parents had done that for you. Right? Growing up. In middle school, they said, hey, whatever you do, I'm, I'm going to forgive. I love you so much, I will forgive whatever you do. High school, whatever you do, I will forgive you. I love you that much. Would you have been more comfortable telling them when you messed up? Would you have been more comfortable going to them when you were in trouble and saying, this, this is what I did. I, I don't know where to go. I need help. I need advice. Can you help? They would want, you would want to go to them more, wouldn't you? Because you know you're not going to lose any love, and you already have that forgiveness. It wouldn't be freedom to be like, oh, I can do whatever I want. You would go to, it would build the relationship, wouldn't it? So what if every couple, when they got married, in their marriage vows, said, you will hurt me. You are already forgiven. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, they're all, they're all standing there, and everybody would be like, What? But then it would sink in. That is, you will hurt me. I promise to always love you, and we're going to go paint paintings together on the beach, and I'll always wash your coffee mug. for. No, you will hurt me. This is going to get messy. But I am in it for the long haul. I already choose to forgive you. And then daily, they chose to preemptively forgive. I'm going to be hurt today. There's a good chance you might hurt me today. I already forgive you. I mean, what if your family started the day that way, right? If you hurt me today, like your kids turn to each other, this is not going to happen, but it could, be, could, it won't. But your kids turn to each other and say, hey, if you hurt me today, I will forgive you. That would be pretty cool. You can start it. What if, like I said, what if your parents had done that for you? I will forgive you no matter what you do because I love you no matter what you do. 
I mean, remember, Jesus saw a relationship with you as so important that though he knew there would be pain, though he knew there would be suffering, he died to give you preemptive forgiveness. He knew you were going to sin. He knew you were going to hurt people. He knew you were going to hurt him. He said, I'm going to die to forgive that. He knows you will still cause hurt and pain, but he chooses to forgive it because of his great love for you. See, preemptive forgiveness is one of the greatest secrets to a happy life. You already choose that it won't cling to you. You already choose that because God forgave you through Jesus, you are choosing now to forgive. Preemptively. It's a preemptive strike. Really, it can change every relationship you have. It will change your life. Because honestly, the road to being better together is paved with preemptive forgiveness. Maybe you had a bad church experience. Just think if there was preemptive forgiveness before you had said that. Before they found out about that, you knew you would be forgiven. Really, to be better together, it's a road paved with preemptive forgiveness. That's how we build trust and acceptance and love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that no matter what we do, no matter what we don't do, you love us. That you died to offer preemptive forgiveness. That you forgive everything we have done, everything we will do, simply by trusting you, clinging to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us in a way I don't think we can fully imagine right now. I pray that as we, as we go forward, we'll, we'll find ways to take at least one small step towards forgiveness. One small step to not letting the hurt other people caused cling to us. Thank you for offering a way for freedom, a way to heal. And thank you for being the healer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you guys have a great week. I hope there's somebody you can say, hey, I already forgive you. Practice it in the mirror. Maybe it's, maybe it's yourself. Anyway, hey, we'll see you next week. Never be afraid to invite a friend. We'll see you later.